Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 115, uh, released on in early August. It's uh, intended to be released in late July, but uh, we'll get into why that's uh, happened. My name is Steve Eunice, and I am joined by my good friend, Scotty V. Hey, Scotty. Steve-o, how's it going? Going well. As I was just saying, uh, we're supposed to do this podcast, release it in late July, but uh, I went away, took a vacation, took a holiday to Mexico, a place called Playa del Carmen. Uh, my wife and I went to celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary, took some time off. and hey. yeah, Thank you. So that's where we were at the end of July and why you and I couldn't get together to, uh, to record this podcast. But uh, we're only about a week, a little bit over a week uh, delayed, so not too, not too bad. It's all right. We've lost all our listeners now because you went on vacation. <laughs> it's no, I funny, think we'll be. I, I think we'll be okay. I've actually. I've had some people ask me about it. Oh, looking yeah. forward to it. Where is it? What's going on? Yeah, so have I. Even though we mentioned at the end of the other podcast, our previous podcast, that uh, this one would be a little bit delayed. Um, obviously, a month's a long time in the world, and uh, so people. Uh, a bit eager to find out where our podcast is, which is great. It's nice to know that people miss us and uh, are wondering, you know, uh, uh, hanging out for it. It is. It's, uh, it was exciting to get a couple of, you know, I didn't get a million, but a nice couple of people asking me uh, if something happened or if it was coming. So that's nice to know. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's get into our discussion topics. And there's been, uh, July is always a very busy month. Uh, number one, because of Comic Con in San Diego taking place at that time every year. And there's always something. Uh, interesting happening there, and that was uh, the case this year. Yeah, I think uh, it's almost, it, it seemed like, obviously there were a lot of things that come out of the, the DC in general, but being a Superman homepage and, and being that we're most excited about Superman, it was kind of interesting, but almost seemed like they just kind of made something up in order to have something. I mean, when you... Of course, what we're talking about is the footage, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, that they showed for Batman v Superman, the Dawn of Justice movie. Um, and it, 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 being so far away, you really wouldn't expect there to be any anything really big or anything actual that they would give us. But, uh, you know, we got a little neat, neat little thing. Yeah, and it wasn't announced. There was no, it wasn't actually part of their programming. Uh, we knew that they would be in Hall H, uh, you know, doing all their TV stuff, promoting all... Uh, their upcoming TV shows like Gotham, uh, the uh, third season of uh, Arrow, the first, the new uh, season of The Flash, uh, Constantine, all these kinds of new DC properties that are happening on TV, which is all very exciting. Uh, but people were hanging out, hoping that there would be something uh, from the movie side of things for Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, and uh, they didn't disappoint. Zack Snyder took to the stage and brought on surprise guests uh, Henry Cavill. Uh, ben Affleck and Gal Gadot, uh, who were all in attendance there, um, to much applause from the crowd who had lined up, many of them overnight, 15 hours, I think, Lewis James, who was our uh, reporter there on the scene at Comic-Con again this year, uh, 15 years in that line, sorry, 15 years, 15 hours in that line. Uh, That'd be a really him. long line. <laughs> it probably felt like 15 years at the end of it, but uh, 15 hours uh, lining up there to get into Hall H overnight, and uh, it was well worth it for those people who were there because the footage that they did show, and it was uh, an, an animation, like you say, uh, wasn't, you know, it was computer graphics, it wasn't the actual actors we found out, although it looked good from the grainy footage that you and I get to see from what's leaked online. Uh, they won't be, unfortunately, officially releasing 
uh, that footage online for the rest of us to see, but there are always people with phones and, and little video cameras that sneak this stuff onto YouTube, and as much as Warner Brothers tries to take them down as quickly as they can, they always uh, you know, get around quicker than they can take them down. And so um, we see this footage uh, that they released, and uh, I guess it excited everyone who was there to see it. Yeah, I have watched a, a cell phone video uh, recording of the footage, and uh, while I thought it was cool, again as a uh, as a Superman fan, but not only that, as a person that just thinks the whole idea of this Batman, any guy being able to stand up in a fight against uh, Superman in general. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's ponderous. It's uh, it's silly. It's it's a little over the top, a lot over the top. And I know comic books are fantasies, and they're over the top. And I know Batman is supposed to stand, um, uh, you know, with all of the other heroes and be considered an equal. And I'm sure he has things he can add. But rather than just because I'm a Superman fan, it's more just the absurdity of the idea. And then if you even just say, well, this is a different thing. This is a movie. Um, and, and they're going to say in the movie that Batman is able to do that. Well, unless they get Batman superpowers, uh, armor doesn't change the fact that he's still a guy. All the Kryptonians had armor and Man of Steel, and he still fought Superman, still fought several of them, did not die, and wasn't really in any danger of actually dying at any point. He did have a struggle with each of the Kryptonians, uh, but in the end, he's the one left standing. So it's 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 unbelievable to assume that that a guy in an armored suit that's just a human would even have the wherewithal to give a smirk which he seemingly does at the end of this video where he's about to fight a man who fought off an entire squadron of super and i and i've said basically this exact thing before and it's just it's still shocking to me how many people still don't seem to get what i'm saying there's oh you just don't like batman it's not really that even though superman is my favorite it's just it's just impossible. There's just no, even if you have kryptonite, he gets a little weak or he stays this distance away. It just doesn't make any sense on any level. And it looks to me, based on what they've been saying, is they're not going to go the kryptonite route. But so then, then it even makes less sense. But, you know, in the story, The Dark Knight Returns, which is what a, what a lot of this computer animated footage is based on and, and, and what the script, uh, the little speech that uh, Henry Lennox read, or Harry, is it Harry? Harry, yeah. Harry Lennox read last year, uh, and that is the, from The Dark Knight Returns. And, and in that, Batman goes through many different levels of trying to weaken Superman, and he's still really not able to fight with him on an even ground. He gets a few good hits in, but Superman is weak. Uh, and this footage that they show, Superman doesn't look like he's weak at all. Uh, but but I did. I, it was enjoyable, and it was enjoyable to hear the people um, excited. Now, when I watched it, I did get the impression, and this was before it was announced that it was an animation, that Batman was moving strangely. Now, he is a guy in armor, hmm. so he might move a slightly different way, but it looked to me like he was moving in a way that a human doesn't move. So I thought, I'm not sure that this is real footage. And then a few days later, they did come out and say, um, that it was that it was an animation. So and it, and as you say, it did look really good because it could have been real footage. Um, I just thought some of the movements were a little off. Superman is just floating there and floats down, so you don't really see much there. Uh, but Batman kind of moves around on the roof and, and pulls the tarp off, and he looked like he was moving in a different way, like kind of robotic, which maybe could be because of the armor. But I, 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 I something caught my eye that made me mm. think it maybe 
wasn't footage. And the other thing I noticed was when Superman is shown, it seemed to me, and this, of course, is just people who are close to the video camera or the phone, that the the, the applause got greater. There yeah, was a cheer when I agree. Superman was shown, and I was happy to hear that. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it definitely rose the uh, the, the crowds, you know, uh, the fact that Superman was there. Um, you know, I mean, it could have also been the fact that the two of them are there meeting for the first time on the big screen, you know, in this footage. But, uh, yeah, when Superman appeared in the sky uh, in the beam of the... Um, of the um, the the beam of the light, bat the bat signal. Um, yeah, the cheer went up in the crowd, and you know the uh, you know the red glowing eyes, and even Batman's eyes being you know that white uh, shining light behind him hasn't really been been done in uh, in on the big screen before. It's usually just you know cutouts, and it's his eyes uh, looking through them. So that's interesting to see. And yeah, while it was obviously inspired by the Dark Knight Returns, uh, that piece of footage, we don't even know if this is even going to be in the film at all. It may have just been some little animation piece they put together for Comic-Con to, to keep the hype up and to, you know, um, have a presence there at Comic-Con this year, as you say, you know, quite far out from the actual release of the movie. So good to see that there was uh, a, a lot of hype there and, um, you know, the fact that uh, DC Comics actually got the best buzz, the best online buzz from the Comic-Cons uh, discussions on Twitter and stuff, beating Marvel out for, uh, you know, their uh, uh, Avengers 2, what is it, something, Ultron? Or the, I can't even think of it. Age, yeah, of, Age of Ultron. Ultron. Yeah, so it, it's great to see that the Batman-Superman movie was the big buzz of Comic-Con this year. Yeah, you know, that story came out, and, and um, the interesting thing you were talking about, the, the, the Batman eyes lighting up, you know, fans of Batman, and, and I myself have been saying that, that the Batman suits should really uh, get a little more basic and get a little more down to what they are. And, and his, you know, the whole idea of Batman was to strike fear into the criminals that he's going to fight against hearts so that they don't know where he's at, they don't know where he's coming from, they don't really know what he is. Is he a man? Now, after some time and Batman's been around and people start to know who he is, those people might not be as frightened of the image, but they're still frightened of what Batman has been able to do to some of their enemies. But I've heard many fans say over the years that they're really tired of seeing Batman's eyes when he's in the suit. And the whole idea is, even in his regular suit, Batman has white covers over his eyes. Mm. This is an armored suit, so it has light-up eyes and it looks kind of impressive. Not so if you're a Kryptonian, I don't think, and I can't really think of any way it would be impressive to a Kryptonian, but Jim Lee came out and made a statement that when you see the Batman that that that, that uh, Zack Snyder is coming up with for the, the, the Batman v Superman movie, you're going to be amazed, you're going to be surprised, you're going to be astonished, you're going to be excited because nothing like that has ever been done with Batman before. And I, I think just seeing this video, and as you say, it might not even be in the movie, but the idea that they're going to go to Batman's a guy with gadgets, Batman's a guy with suits. And they did that in the Nolan trilogy. He had a lot of different gadgets and stuff, but we really have never seen a big armored suit for Batman, light up eyes, that kind of thing. Um, I think Nolan was really trying to keep it grounded and, and, and trying to keep it realistic and trying to keep it believable for what a man might be able to do if he was Batman. And it looks like maybe, and, and, and when you watch Man of Steel, you see that they're, more, a little more willing to go out on a comic book. You know, they have other superpowered beings. It's more sci-fi. There's mm. people from another planet that are invading the Earth. Superman flies around. It's more fantastical just in its very nature. And the fact that they're now going to 
have that same character in a movie with Batman and to be able to make Batman somewhat formidable, they're going to give him this, this armor with light up eyes and something that might've been too fantastical or too sci-fi for the Nolan trilogy based on a lot of things I've heard Nolan say. Uh, but, but, but Jim Lee uh, just based on this footage was correct in that we haven't seen Batman look or do anything that it looks like he's going to be able to do based on this footage. And, uh, it's, you know, it's exciting. Yeah, definitely. And as I mentioned, uh, Variety came up with that report on the fact that, uh, Warner brothers, uh, received more online buzz than Marvel did for their hall H appearance at San Diego comic-con. Uh, the, uh, the stats that they released saying that, um, the Batman V Superman talk generated 112,108 overall mentions, uh, on Twitter, um, as opposed to, which was like 7%, according to uh, a research group called Way to Blue, um, where Age of, Atron, Age of Ultron received 62,000 overall mentions. So it's nearly double, uh, which, is, uh, which is fantastic to see that Warner Brothers is winning the race in that respect because, you know, the Avengers movie uh, was a big thing uh, for, you know, the first one. So you'd think that, uh, you know, the, the interest in the, in the sequel would be absolutely enormous. But, uh, you know, the obviously there's more buzz out there for the Batman v Superman or yeah, Batman v Superman movie than there is for the second Avengers movie. Well, I wanted to mention I actually started with that because you had brought it up and then I went into something else. But I did want to say when that article came out, and I think the 7% you mentioned is the intent to see. And that's that's the that's the other number where DC didn't actually uh, best at Marvel. And that is uh, the intent to see number. And I believe the intent to see number for the Marvel movie came to 14% or something. Mm, and the intent right. to see number came to 7% for the DC movie. Either way, when I look at those numbers... If, if they got these numbers from the floor of Comic-Con, they seem very unimpressive. You would think hmm. that 80 or 100% of the people at Comic-Con would have an intent to see both of those films. Okay, true. Um, you know, and if you take it from, well, I'm only a Marvel guy, then you would think at least 50% of the people uh, or so would want to see either movie. But 14% to have an intent to see a movie that was, you know, a huge blockbuster for Marvel seems like a very small number. So I'm not exactly sure what that really means yeah, or where relevant. that came from or yeah or how relevant but it is nice that and i think the reason i mean i posit that the reason that the dc movie got more buzz in terms of more people online talking about it is because it was kind of a surprise mm -hmm. and and you know you kind of know what to expect with avengers even though there will be surprises in that movie too you know who they are you know who the crew is you know what's going on you know it's going to be quippy uh, robert downey jr making jokes about the hulk and stuff you know fighting aliens or whatever it is and, and so as they show more from that movie you will see things that will surprise you but with this nobody knew what to expect and nobody necessarily expected anything so i think the idea that it was shown and some of those comments could have been negative ones because sure. i've certainly heard a lot of people talking about um how bad this movie is going to be and it's the same thing happened with man of steel and the same thing happens with every superhero movie before we really see or know very much at all people have already decided that it's going to be terrible or it's going to be great or it's going to be horrible or it's going to be fantastic and one of the biggest uh, uh seeming victims in this is, is gal gadot right now uh it seems to me that people are being very very negative and uh, the, the people who are negative are being 
and mean I about so, it. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, with the, the whole new, the, you know, the, the Wonder Woman costume that was uh, that was shown to us. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. Uh, Wonder Woman did get a costume reveal at Comic Con as well. Uh, they uh, not only posted it up on the screen there at the uh, Hall H, but they also released it online via Twitter. Uh, an image of Gal Gadot dressed as Wonder Woman in a very dynamic type of setup there with um, w- with the uh, image of her in her costume. And a lot of comparisons made to uh, Xena, uh, the, the TV series, uh, of the, you know, the way the costume looks. But I- I'm... Yeah, you know, I'm not disappointed with the costume. I think it looks okay, and I think she looks fine as Wonder Woman in the costume. I, I have no problem with it whatsoever. Let me say what I think about it, just upon first look and, and look at the pose and the way they set up the picture. Obviously, this isn't a shot from the movie. This was a this was a posed shot and a setup shot, and probably photoshopped. And they had a green screen, and they set up all that stuff behind her after the fact. I love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. I think it's fantastic. I think, as you say, it's dynamic. It's exciting. I think she looks wonderful, as mm. Wonder Woman should. <laughs> I think. I think. I don't think it could have been better. Except maybe people are saying, "Where's the red and blue?" Mm. Okay, but we know we're in we're in a world of kind of more really? realistic looking movies where clothing doesn't stand out that greatly and i get the idea that 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 some of these heroes superman wonder woman are are symbols of hope and they want to stand out because they they want people to see them and they want people to know that they're there for them and notice them whereas batman wants to be in the dark and hide superman's blue and red and bold colors are are supposed to be seen are supposed to let people know he's there and he's going to be everything's going to be okay um but i do think this is a muted picture and that, and that, much like a lot of the shots with the, with the Man of Steel costume, there is going to be some color there. It's just not as uh, visible in this particular photo. But I mean, it's clearly a Wonder Woman costume. She's clearly armored. She's a warrior, and and Wonder Woman's always been a warrior. Uh, people keep mentioning Linda Carter and that she was perfect and that this girl couldn't hold a candle. Okay, maybe that's true. And I understand nostalgia and I understand loving Linda Carter, just like people love Christopher Reeve. Um, But it's not Linda Carter. It's never going to be Linda Carter. It's not Christopher Reeve. It's never going to be Christopher Reeve. You know, uh, you can still like those things. You can still love those things. And you can hate these things if you really want to. But we're in the future now. Those times are over. So it's time to move on. And Wonder Woman's never been on screen. And I think there was a purposeful intent to get a slightly more ethnic looking woman to play Wonder Woman and someone who possibly has an accent. Uh, people are complaining about that. She's supposed to be Americana and everything, which, again, kind of like people complaining Henry Cavill was British. Wonder Woman is from a Greek island. She's a foreigner. She is not American. She could very likely have an accent. Now, we've never heard her accent because she's in a book. But on the Justice League cartoon, she very definitely had broken English and an accent. And she's spoken, you know, euphemisms sometimes and, and used phrases from her culture and things like that i would like to see that type of a character in wonder woman that seemed to me more authentic than an all-american girl who's been in america forever because Mm. she's not from america and she's been raised on an island of all women in a greek setting in the mediterranean somewhere so it makes more sense to me that she would look slightly foreign and would have a you know foreign to Americans and would have possibly an accent. And as far as looking like Xena, let's remember that Xena 
in and of herself was based on the idea of, of the Wonder Amazonian Woman. warrior that Wonder Woman is. Yep. So any of her costume te- things, any of her attitude things, all came from the idea of making a modern Wonder Woman on a television show for our age. And then and then they went from there. But her costume, her look, her, her style, the things she did, was all Wonder Woman until it was made into something else as the show went on. But but don't get confused that we're stealing from, you know, that Zach or whoever designed this is stealing from Xena. If anything, it's the other way around. And and you can clearly see that it's a Wonder Woman costume. Yeah, I mean, she's got the, you know, the eagle uh, emblem type thing at the the chest area. She's got the almost like the Wonder Woman, the you know, the logo, the WWW around the waist, uh, like a belt almost. She's got the um, lasso uh, on her hip, which is not necessarily something that a lot of people noticed. Uh, you know, she's got a sword. You know, she she uh, has the tiara type uh, headdress. So it's uh, it's all very Wonder Woman to me. Okay, the colors might be muted. We don't really know whether there'll be any type of color in that because again of the lighting. Superman's costume had different types of lighting, as we know in Man of Steel, depending on the scene and the setup. Um, and uh, you know, this could be a similar thing. That could be a very red type. Um, bodice there, or the you know the the uh, the the skirt could be very blue. We don't know exactly where and how it will light up, but even if it doesn't, um, you know this is still Wonder Woman. Um, I can understand fans of her character, you know, maybe being a little bit upset, just like Superman fans were about the red trunks missing, or you know of uh, the the colors being muted, or whatever it m- might be. You know, they're not being an S curl, you know, and a spit curl on his forehead. All these kinds of little nitty gritty things that people look for or identify with from the comic books, uh, as you say, when they translate them to the big screen or to television or live action, um, you know, they don't necessarily translate. And I much prefer this Wonder Woman costume than what was created for that uh, never released pilot or never continued pilot uh, episode uh, uh, for the TV. This is much, much better. Absolutely. And, you know, at that time, they actually were trying to base it on what was supposed to come out in the comics. And then they, they did away with that whole idea, you know, the pants. And they were supposed to get away, get get rid of her uh, Greek style skirt because they said, you know, women shouldn't have to be in skirts because they're women. But uh, the idea of this costume and looking at it, you can see that it's more like a gladiator arena styled warrior fighters costume and i think that that should be the basis of a wonder woman costume and it, and it still looks like a traditional wonder woman costume but but of course obviously we're not doing the pants and i'm, I'm i i agree with you in terms of uh that the, the television pilot uh, it didn't look exactly right no Okay, well, we're talking about costumes, and in this past month since we did our last podcast, we also had the release of the very first image of Henry Cavill as Superman for this new movie with the tweaked Man of Steel Superman costume that's been tweaked a little bit from what we saw in Man of Steel. Uh, We did some uh, pretty detailed analysis of it on the Superman homepage for the, uh, you know, looking at the differences there, this pose that we've uh, had of Henry Cavill as Superman on a rooftop, which appears to be in Gotham just from the look of the buildings and the fact that it's dark and rainy and, you know, gloomy, um, is a very similar pose and very similar uh, position of his body as to the um, cover we saw for uh, Empire magazine where for Man of Steel. So it was very easy to put them side by side and do a comparison of the costume uh, to see what the changes were. What did you make of the photo first up and what did you make of the tweaks? 
Well, I, I loved the photo. I mean, I think it's uh, it's very Superman. I mean, clearly the pose he's in, you can tell um, he's serious. You can tell he's powerful. It's a very, very strong pose. And it's he's certainly bigger than any Superman has been. Uh, his arms massive, his chest massive. Um, I'm, I'm a little unsure as to whether Batman will be smaller or bigger because the Batman... Uh, suit makes him look a little bulkier too, but his arms in the picture of the Batman that was released look like he might be a little bigger even, which is hard to imagine. But uh, I think I think more of this in the Superman suit is Henry, and, and and less of it in Batman. Whoever's playing Batman because it's a it's a bulked up rubber suit. But uh, this picture is great. I mean, it's uh, very moody and and it does look like Gotham. Um, you can also kind of see when you look at it that a lot of the backgrounds are fake. Those aren't. Hmm. Uh, it's clearly a backdrop that's not going to look like that in the movie. It's uh, it was you know it was a quick backdrop. He's on some sort of a soundstage and they have a roof that looks like a roof. But then the water tower and the other buildings in the background, the smokestacks, you can kind of tell aren't right. But but the idea is the mood and setting it. And I also like how. It, it, to me, it clearly looks like he's older. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, mature. looks like he's he's more mature. Yeah, and uh, the changes to the suit, though subtle in many places, uh, you know, when you look at your report and if you know where to look, you can tell that they're 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 also very, even though they're subtle, they're 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 still big somehow. You know, mm. they they do change it in quite a uh, in quite a large way. The, the cuffs on the arms. Uh, being smaller and, and less, the the uh, the ribbing on the sides being closer together and more squared, the, the belt itself more squared. Instead of a round buckle, you now have a, a rectangular buckle. And, of course, uh, some other changes that, that you uh, pointed out in your article. Yeah, I think the um, most obvious are the ribbing on the on the wrists and the, and the waist. There seem to be more gaps in between them. They don't seem to be as rigid. Uh, as the uh, as the man of steel one, and as you mentioned, the belt buckle, the belting, you know, looking a bit more goldy, gilded, uh, with a square buckle this time instead of a rounded uh, oval buckle previously. Uh, the colours, and we can't exactly tell because again, it could be photoshopped, it could be adjusted for lighting or whatever, but they do seem to be brighter, especially in the the yellow in the S, um, and the, the S seems to be. Uh, lower down doesn't seem to be as high up towards the the neck uh, area. Uh, seems to be softer. It seems to mould more to his chest. But the 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 interesting thing, and we did a second article on on this, was how much Kryptonian writing has been uh, introduced into the costume. The gap between the first cuff lines on the wrist has Kryptonian writing on it. The belt is the most obvious. Has an S type symbol, uh, Kryptonian symbol in the belt, as does the the gold around the waist, the, the rest of the, the belt, if you like, has a Kryptonian writing in it, but so does the S. There is a you know an obvious line that seems to mimic the design of the movie's S shield, you know, with what people are calling the, the Nike swish, if you like, in the uh, in the middle of the S. That line seems to be more prominent, but the thing is that there is Kryptonian writing above and below that uh, that swish line. Uh, which is interesting. It's subtle. Uh, you don't really notice unless you get really close up. And as I was saying, and as you were saying, you know, the design, the design changes are subtle, and people who go to see the movie might not notice it. As uh, you know, just who are just general moviegoers might not notice that there are any differences between the two films' uh, costumes. But for for us Superman fans who go into these things with a fine tooth comb, uh, the the changes are there. Uh, but they can get away without actually, you know. Um, referencing that there are changes, I think, in the story 
so much they don't need to necessarily tell people that there are any changes or why there are changes they can just get away with them i think that's that's interesting that you say that i was going to mention that um someone had mentioned to me why would they change it i mean he gets his suit from jor-el and the ship the ship's destroyed jor-el's gone forever supposedly how did he get another suit? How did he design another suit? What did he take it to a tailor? Did he learn how to super sew? <laughs> what exactly happened that, that he could have changed his suit? And you may, you may be right about that. It, it may not even be brought up. Now, I think if the color scheme is incredibly different, if it's if it's a really a lot brighter, it might pose some questions to some people. But, but you're right. They probably won't even bring something like that up. Um, but uh, it's interesting because uh, you're right. Unless, unless you get a really high-res photo of the one they released and you're able to zoom in on it you can't even see some of the differences you're talking about with the kryptonian script and 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 the different shapes uh, found on the uh on the logo and and, and the uh belt and, and things like that mm. and uh the the boots themselves they seem to have a double line which is a bit more like the comic books uh than the man of steel costume boots had but um again it's very subtle that the, the boots are mostly in, in shadow in this picture that's been released so he, while you can subtly see it, it's not necessarily uh, that obvious. Uh, the length of the cape seems to be the same. Some people had a problem with the fact that it got dirty while it dragged on the ground, but I don't mind the fact that uh, the, co- the cape is that long. It doesn't, doesn't pose a problem for me. This one's definitely not as long as the original publicity photo that was released for Man of Steel, which had mm. kind of had the cape completely surrounding him on the ground, and he was kneeling. You know, in a prone kind of a um, squatting position. Mm. Here he's standing, and the cape does appear to be mostly off the ground. There may be a spot of it on the ground or something behind his heels there, but it's definitely not nearly as long as what it looked like it was going to be in the first promo shot for the Man of Steel movie. Um, but but yeah, um, I guess the idea of it dragging on the ground and getting tarnished on the bottom there, and the rest of it looking red and bright. Uh, could be a sticking point. I, I've, I've, as you say, I've heard people complain about that. I don't really see any reason why they can't bring it up four inches so that it's not doing that because it would still be a long cape behind the calves. Mm. Um, so, you know, but uh, yeah, it didn't really bother me to see it on screen. It actually kind of, I think it, it heightened the realism again. And a lot of people say, well, you keep talking about realism. It's a comic book movie. It's a fantasy. It's a sci-fi. Uh, it's, there's nothing real about it. Okay, but in that world, knowing we're in that realm, we like to try and keep it as possible as it could be within that realm of fantasy. And, you know, a guy wearing a cape that, you know, a cape isn't very functional. It's not very helpful, you know, in in battle. In fact, if I were Superman, probably after, uh, I don't know if it was Namek or if it was uh, Feora or if it was both. It might have been Zod at the end of the movie. He grabs him by the cape and spins him around and throws him into space. If the cape wasn't there, that wouldn't have been that easy. So if I were Superman, I might say, you know what? For battle, this cape's this cape's kind of silly. So and but you'd have fans up in arms if there was no cape. And I want there to be a cape. Superman has a cape, um, but maybe a maybe some sort of a. A super nanite costume that can uh, can make the cape go very retractable cape, so it can go away when he's going to be in battle. Uh, But I don't know. Yeah, I I like the look of the costume, and I like some of the differences. And uh, as you say, you may be right. um, They're probably not going to bring up why it changed. And in the movie, you might not even be able to see those differences anyway. Yeah, and as for Henry Cavill's look, uh, the hair, I like the hair. It's a lot less 
buffy if you like let's uh, obviously it's a slicked back look maybe that's to do with the rain maybe not but it does seem to be a more mature type of hairstyle that's uh less uh you know um uh, heightened um there is no spit curl still but uh that can naturally happen and, and did in man of steel when during battle and stuff it seemed to fall on his face a little bit as for his uh, you know the, the the look on his face people saying why isn't he happy superman should be smiling uh he, not much to smile about in a rainy gloomy night in gotham i wouldn't imagine no or in in a regular daily course of a superman adventure you know adventure we normally kind of attribute to being a fun thing you know, but uh, you read Adventures of Superman. I mean, he's getting attacked by aliens. He's getting beat up by monsters. He's fighting with Batman now. It's not really anything to smile about. Generally, in any movie, you know, an Indiana Jones movie, in a, a Star Wars movie, in a James Bond movie, you know, they're fighting for their lives. They're not really going around smiling and, <laughs> and joking like, ha look at me. Um, it's just generally a pretty dire because a movie's short. You don't really have a lot of time for light moments and 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 that's where i think a lot of people thought the movie failed the original the man of steel movie uh, and that is there wasn't a lot of levity but uh the subject matter wasn't very humorous and it wasn't there wasn't really a lot of time for there to be levity mm, uh, so i think you have to decide what you want and, and i think there are moments of, of of humor in a lot of dramatic movies and a lot of exciting action movies. Uh, and you have to find those moments. And there are some in Man of Steel. But yeah, he's not going around with a big smile on his face. Although we did have that sequence where he first learned to fly, where he was clearly elated. Mm, um, and he had a big fun. smile. And, and it, at some point, I've heard people say he looks silly. What was he laughing like, like a goof for? <laughs> so I don't think you can, I don't, I don't know that you way. can win no, no matter what you <laughs> All right, and uh, we saw another picture released on Twitter by Zack Snyder uh, with the hashtag Super Jedi, um, and he's having a bit of fun here. Uh, they make, as we saw in Man of Steel with uh, Michael Shannon and and um, also uh, Henry Cavill at some stages, and um, also uh, Russell Crowe, they were made to wear these black gowns that they wore over their costumes because if they're moving between sets or they're outside filming, uh, you know, they, uh, they don't want to reveal the costumes. They don't want people to see them in their costumes and probably to protect the costumes a little bit too, but they'll make them wear these massive type, uh, you know, black gowns with a, with a hood in this case. Uh, and, uh, they've had a bit of Photoshop fun, uh, introducing a lightsaber, uh, into the photo and, uh, you know how you can see the costume of the Superman costume peeking out underneath the uh, the black uh, hooded um, you know gown that he's wearing. But uh, I thought that was a bit of fun, just having a fun, bit of fun with Photoshop with the photo, uh, making it look like uh, Superman's uh, Jedi. It was very cool. It was very neat to see the idea that they're uh, apparently Star Wars fans at the same time. It looks to me like like Henry's posing. It's not like they. They caught him back behind the trailer with, his, with yeah. his hood up. This is purposefully done, and he's ready for it, and he knows what they're going to do because he's got that serious I'm a Jedi look on his face. Yeah, and uh, and then they put the lightsaber in, and then they put the backdrop in so it looks like he could be on a Star Wars-y type planet. And uh, it was really neat. It was just fun. Just, yeah. just fun to see. There's a lot of people going, oh, well, I don't understand. Well, why, why, why would they do that? What's the point? It's like, relax. You know, <laughs> it's not – you don't have to read so much into these things. It's not a big deal. Like, it's a bit of fun, you know. Where's the harm in it? They're they're on set for so you know so many hours of a, of the day. Um, it's just a bit of fun. Get over yourselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, and 
I guess people were trying to look for meaning or, oh, does this mean he's going to be darker in this movie? And, you know, no, I don't think it has any relation to the movie at all. I just think it was a bit of fun. Uh, yeah, a little fun thing they were doing, and, yeah. and, and you know, kind of like the fake uh, Batman versus Superman script that was being <laughs> talked about for a while. Yeah, there was this rumor. Well, well, not really a rumor, but um, a lot of uh, well, yeah, a lot of rumors went out about this. You know, these you know, maybe these villains that are going to appear in the movie, and uh, um, Latina Review, you know, posted a report about these uh, three villains that were going to be in the film and um you know it was all from this script that they had received and ended up being that this script was a fake script that had someone had written uh first the the idea was that kevin smith had written the fake script on at the behest of warner brothers to you know pe- take people off the scent of the real story behind the movie and that uh he had been you know asked to to write a, a script to put out there to you know to fake people out but uh he came out and said, "No, it wasn't me. You know, Warner Brothers. I've got better things to do. I'm, you know, busy. I'm. I haven't got time to. You know, Warner Brothers wouldn't put me anywhere near this kind of thing. So uh, that's not true. I didn't uh, write a fake script at all. Uh, some other fan came out and said it was his. He did it uh, just as a fun thing to do, just because he could, and caught people out. Latino Review quickly uh, just pulled their original story about the three villains off their website with no explanation whatsoever, which I found strange and a bit uh, a bit poor. Um, but, um, you know, it, it caught people out. The script is out there if you want to read it. I, I do have a copy of it. Someone sent it to me. I haven't actually read it yet, but those villains that were rumoured to be in the movie are in this script, so that was the source of those rumours, and now they're fake rumours, obviously, uh, from a fake script. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting the lengths that some people will go. Uh, I mean, I guess as a fan or as somebody who just wanted to do it for a little bit of fun, probably what he was looking for was some of this notoriety and mm-hmm. some of some of it, you know, coming out and the idea that uh, for a little while, even though no one knew who he was, he was kind of famous um, yeah. as the the guy who might have wrote not not that we knew him, but that there might actually be a real script out there that was. And then it was found out that it was fake, and then maybe it was written by Kevin Smith. And then are we really seeing some of the elements that are going to be in the movie? And uh, I think, from what I understand, some of the Lex Luthor elements that we read about months ago uh, came from this fake script. Is that is that correct? I think so too. Yeah. Well, it's hard to know now what I haven't looked. Like I said, I haven't read the script fully, so it's hard to know exactly what elements that we've heard about are true and which elements are, are fake. So uh, I, I know the Supergirl one that's been going around is definitely a fan made up idea about Wonder Woman being, uh, you know, a, a descendant of the Supergirl that escaped from that pod that was seen in Man of Steel and that, you know, it's that uh, the Kryptonian, uh, that uh, the Amazonians are descendants from Krypton, you know, I think that one's totally fake. Yeah, it's just somebody saying, hey, what if this what was if, the case? Yeah. And I think maybe even when Man of Steel came out, somebody might have posited that, you know, not written in as much detail, but just saying, hey, what if the person who came out of the pod is the person who's going to, you know... <laughs> find the Amazons or whatever. Um, but yeah, obviously they've taken it and they've run with it and they've, they've written a little more detail into it and how it could have happened and how it could actually be. And, um, it's silly and <laughs> it's, uh, obviously we hope they wouldn't do that. And I'm, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't do something like that. And it's not like they're going to hear this and go, Hey, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, 
that would be very uh, detrimental to both franchises, I think. So uh, don't worry. I don't think anybody needs to worry about that. Yeah, and it did pose an interesting uh, question as to whether or not the studios out there, the movie studios, are that interested or that worried about um, you know stuff leaking that they would you know make a fake script and send it out there to to you know take people off the scent. Are they that you know? And, and would they do it at this period in time? Doesn't it seem a bit far out? Um, but it'd be interesting if you know the the the, the movie industries were that covert and were that you know, sinister about um, and, and worried about leaks and, and stuff like that on the internet? You know, it could be um, something that is uh, something to think into. about yeah. going forward, you know, uh, knowing the age that we're in and knowing that almost everything there is to know comes out before a movie comes out, or if not, at the very least, the day of the movie coming out, you know, you could read about these Marvel teasers after the credits the day the movie comes out and sometimes mm. even before that. And with movies coming out from different times in different countries, a lot of times you can know the whole movie, the whole plot, everything. And obviously it, it behooves you as the fan to avoid that kind of stuff until you get to see it yourself. But uh, yeah, there might be, you know, I remember when the Star Wars movies were getting made back in the day, they would change the title. They would have these fake filming units. They would be, they'd have decoys, They you know, because they didn't want people to find out. And back then, it was a lot more difficult to find things out with cell phones and with internet and with instant access and with look at this picture I took of Henry Cavill right now going out on the on the computer on the internet every single minute. It's it's much more difficult to hide things. So mm. while I don't necessarily think this was a uh, commissioned fake script script from DC, um, and it is a little early as you say, it may be something to consider. You know, going Ooh, forward, oh, maybe yeah. maybe do some decoy stuff. To, to, to have people at least guessing, like, did we really see what's real? Did we really hear what's going to be? Or is this another, you know, uh, another decoy? Yeah, the decoy idea is interesting. I mean, we know that they do that with movie titles. We've had uh, Sage and Milo as the, you know, the name that they'll be, you know, uh, filming under for Batman v Superman. But, um, you know, is that something that they look to do in the future? Do they do these kinds of things, decoys, uh, to plant uh, fake stuff out there so that fans start second-guessing whether the rumours they're hearing or whether this is true or whether it's a fake or, or not and just, you know, say, look, just wait, just be patient. You know, you'll find out, you, you know, soon enough in an official capacity when you go sit in the cinema or when you get that official trailer released or whatever it might be. So uh, it's very interesting to see if these decoy ideas are being, you know, put out there by the studios um, as part of their plans. Well, it's kind of strange with this with the Sage and Milo thing, since it seemed like almost immediately we knew that it was casting for Batman and for Batman Superman when they said Sage and like we, it almost came out in the same press release. Sage mm. and Milo will be the movie title that they go with when they're filming for Batman v Superman. Uh, so is it clearly not meant to be a secret because you're telling us when you release it that it's the code name that you're going to be going under. <laughs> so if everybody knows every time they see Sage and Milo that it's a Batman Superman movie filming, then it's not really secret. Yeah, unless, but, again, it's something that the average person in the street, you know, if they see a, a, a sign for Sage and Milo, they're not going to have, they're going to have no idea, you know, as they're walking by, by it. Um, but it's not going to fool those people who are fans like you and I who go looking for this kind of stuff. But and that's probably 1% of the people who might see these kinds of things would actually know that Sage and Milo was a reference to 
uh, Batman v Superman if they were in, say, Detroit somewhere and they saw one of those signs, they might not know what it meant and just keep walking. True story, Steve. I don't know about you, but I'm hoping that BVS, Dawn of Justice, is the decoy and that we're really going to get Milo v Sage. This is what I, well, I Sage and Milo, one version, movie. some version. Yeah, exactly. This is what I want to see when they're, you know, just just to throw us all off and just prove to us that we know nothing. I'd like that to be the actual <laughs> title when it comes out. Uh, make a million dollars, or billion Absolutely. even, billion, uh, zillions of dollars. Now, uh, a zillion a number. It, it, well, it is now. Oh, there you go. Now, uh, before we move on elsewhere outside the Batman v Superman movie. Um, did you see the interview with Gary Oldman, who, as you know, played uh, Commissioner Gordon in the Nolan Batman films? Uh, he's a little bit sceptical about this whole idea of Batman v Superman. Well, you know, uh, they have some really big boots to fill, but uh, I wish them well, you know, because uh, after the whole Nolan thing, I don't really even know why anybody's trying anymore. But, uh, you know, give them uh, – hey – away more power to them whatever they can do uh, um it was something along those lines yeah. obviously um he's in the greatest thing since sliced bread with the nolan franchise everybody was drooling over their mothers watching this movie um but uh i what else is he supposed to say exactly I mean, he has nothing to do with this movie um he was in the biggest batman franchise of all time um probably the biggest superhero franchise of all time. If you're just talking about one hero, I mean, I'm sure the Marvel movies collectively have made more, but uh, just three movies about one hero with a, with a, with a story that began and a story that ended. And uh, you know, we're pretty much critics universally and, and fans in general really liked the Nolan franchise. So yeah, it's big shoes to fill anytime, but it's the same with the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Um, uh, anytime you try to, it was the same with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. You know, people said, why are they relaunching this? Why can't they get, you know, Tobey Maguire back? Same thing here. They really should have got Christian Bale. How are they going to top those movies? It's obviously, you know, it'll, you know, that's forever. And just like I said with Wonder Woman earlier, you're never going to be uh, Linda Carter, you know, and it's never going to be the Nolan Christian Bale franchise ever again. It's over. It's done. It's finished. If you loved it, great. If you if you wish there would be more, a lot of people do, but there ain't. So, um, you know, we're moving forward now. And of course, Gary Oldman's being probably being a little silly and 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 uh, and saying, you know, uh, I, kind of coming across like, why even bother? You know, we've already done everything that can be done that's going to be good. So, don't even try. But um, again, he really has nothing to do with it. And and I wouldn't really put a lot of stock in what what he's saying. But uh, calm down, Gary. It's okay. You, you made some great movies. People loved them. And you've been in a lot of other great movies. You're not involved with this one, but, you know, it's all right. You don't have to it's be right. upset. You don't yep. have to be sad. You don't have to be scared. That's all right. But, yeah, as you say, what else is he going to say? He's, you know, he was, he, he, he was in part of the other ones. He's not part of these ones. He wishes them well, but he has his doubts. And it's really neither here nor there. So um, he's entitled to his opinion. He's not. I have my doubts. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, very true. Yeah, we we don't know what it's going to be until we see it, but uh, I have hope. Yeah, exactly. Now, okay, let's move away from Batman v Superman. Um, a trailer for the Death of Superman Lives, uh, the uh, documentary style um, uh, project uh, that is happening about the Christ about the uh, Nicholas Cage um, 
movie, Superman Lives, that never got made. Um, it, uh, it, there's a trailer out for it now. It looks really good. They've interviewed Nicolas Cage. They've got a lot of stuff, a lot of imagery that we've never seen before uh, that uh, you know he's been able to dig up uh, for this. Uh, John Schnepp, the, the filmmaker who's behind this project, uh, looks really good. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing this because while we, you know, I kind of relieved that this got never got made. It would have been interesting if, it, you know, to see what would have happened, and this documentary will give us that. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't think that Tim Burton is the right guy to do a Superman movie. A lot of people don't think Zack Snyder is the right guy to do a Superman movie. Uh, but I love the first Batman movie that Tim Burton did with Michael Keaton. But I think he's gotten more over the top since. I think he's gotten mm. more crazier. Mm. Most of his movies are really zany and kind of out there. Um, but even when you hear him talk in the trailer, he seems kind of out there and kind of. And maybe you need that in a fantasy movie. And a lot of the ones he does are perfect for him. I'm not sure that Superman was the right project. Although a lot of what I have seen, and even before this trailer, I saw a lot of those animations and I saw a lot of those. Um, those artworks of doomsday and, 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 and brainiac. Yeah. And, and so the other thing, and I really like them and I would love to see those characters in a big, bold way. Like it seemed like they were willing to go with that movie. And of course the movie never came to fruition. And it's going to be interesting to see some of the reasons behind that and how they got their budget so high and, and how Superman movies for generations to come are still somehow paying for that and still somehow it gets into their marketing budget and still somehow we go, well, yeah, Superman Returns did okay, but you got to remember $900 billion of uh, what uh, they cost to make that movie comes from the whole Superman Lives thing. So they're still not out of the hole, you know, and Man of Steel. Well, Man of Steel, you know, did okay, but uh, they're still paying for that Superman Lives. So, you know, um, so I'm, I'm kind of interested to see where all that came came from how they spent all that money or if they spent all that money and if we're really still paying for it into the future uh the trailer was horrible i mean it was not really a movie trailer i mean i saw some interesting things but it was like it was like a guy just you know said hey, look at this it wasn't like it didn't really feel like a tra I, mean, I don't know it's a documentary so i don't know what how much of a trailer you you can do but it didn't feel like a trailer where they cut and they intersperse and they have a voiceover and they do. And again, it's not a drama or an action movie, but it was very, uh, seemed very amateurish, amateurish. And, and I guess the guys making the movie are amateurs or something. So that probably makes sense. But it, it, I was not, I was not really excited by the trailer, although it was neat to see some of those things that I had already seen before. And I am interested in seeing where the, uh, uh, I'm hearing, hearing about more of the history of what happened. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, there, you know, uh, uh, John Schnepp has, uh, was a, a special guest on our uh, Radio KL Live um, show that we do on a, with Michael Bailey uh, on a weekly basis and uh, seems to really have, uh, a, you know, a passion for this and um, has gone way out into trying to get as many people, you know, uh, from who were involved with Superman Lives at the time to talk about it, to, to re you know, reveal some of their artwork and some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And uh, if his uh, Kickstarter, I think it was, that he um, was raising money to do this on, uh, if it went above and beyond what he'd hoped to achieve, then he was also going to try to um, make some of the scenes 
uh, using computer graphics and that and, and from the script and you know, bring them to fruition. So that would be interesting to see if that's uh, possible and if he manages to, to reach those stretch marks uh, as far as uh, stretch goals, stretch marks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't worry, you can cut out your uh, your little gaff, and uh, I don't want to offend a friend of the show, so you can cut out my whole thing about the trailer being amateurish if you want. <laughs> um, uh, I'm still excited about the story, and I think it's great that he had such a passion for it that he uh, put it together. I mean, I've never done anything like that, and uh, I'm probably never gonna do anything like that. So. <laughs> Uh, good job, and, and uh, I'm very interested because yeah, it looks a good. lot of it looks really weird, but a lot of it looks really cool. So some of the things I'm still hoping we see in some form or not. Obviously, they're not going to take them from this and put them in the new Man of Steel movie whenever that comes out. But the idea of Brainiac on screen and, and that that design from Doomsday I thought looked really cool. They had many, several that they were showing, and I liked a lot of them. Yeah, and but yeah, things like the idea of uh, um, Lex Luthor being Kryptonian. Uh, I think um, one of the Kelex, the Kelex, the robot was supposed to be a gay robot. Uh, oh, it's perfect. It's yeah. one of my favorite <laughs> things. Lex Luthor, Kryptonian, perfect. Put it in. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, some quirky ideas, as you say, from Burton that were going into this. But um, it'll be interesting to see the, tri- the, the documentary once it's completed and uh, to, to learn more about the history of this never-made film, Superman Lives. Uh, all right, let's uh, move on. And uh, we've got a little bit of TV news. Uh, you know, we don't get much TV news in the world of Superman these days because there really isn't much happening for Superman. But a previous Superman, Brandon Routh, uh, has been cast to play the Atom in the third season of the Arrow TV series. And I'm really thrilled for him. That's great news. Mr. Ray Palmer himself. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited. Um, I'm not watching the Arrow show. Oh, you should I don't know be. if you are. Uh, have you watched it from the beginning? Yeah, I've, um, season two is only just starting here in Australia, which is uh, like we're a season behind in that regard because season two is well not truly completed in the US. But I, um, I'm halfway through season two, having downloaded them to watch them. And uh, season two is a much uh, a huge improvement on season one, which was pretty good in itself. But season two is definitely um, an improvement, introducing a lot more of the DC Universe uh, in uh, the Arrow universe, so I'm I'm impressed with it. Now let me ask you, as a guy that I've had conversations with about Smallville, and you know how I feel, I love it as an idea. I love a lot of the show. I love a lot of the cast. Uh, you know what I don't like? As a show, obviously we're Superman fans. Obviously we would rather see a show about Clark Kent. But do you think, do you get the feeling that some of, like the Radio Land murders for Lucas was was a test movie, was a movie he was doing to test out some of his procedures for when the new Star Wars movies came along. Do you get the feeling that, not purposefully at the time, but that Smallville was kind of the first one, was kind of the prototype, was kind of, well, here's some mistakes we made here, and here's how we can make it better moving forward? Uh, no, I don't, didn't get that sense. I, I think that they definitely learnt from some of the mistakes they made and were able to go into other areas, but I don't think it was necessarily a, a testing ground. I think that it opened, it was more of a, um, a pioneer in that respect, and that it allowed these new shows now to kick on and happen because of the success of Smallville going for 10 seasons and, you know, being able, being successful in that way, while, you know, maybe there are Green Arrow fans who are, you know, not as happy about Arrow as 
super, there were Superman fans who were not as happy about Smallville as, say, the general public who maybe don't know that much. I mean, there were people who were watching Smallville who didn't even realise it was about Superman early on in the first couple of seasons. I don't know how that's possible. but yeah, I, I heard, spoke to people I, like that. Yeah. yeah. So I imagine that there are people, and I'm not a Green Arrow reader. I don't read Green Arrow comics. Um, so I'm watching Arrow as, you know, as a fresh, with fresh eyes, not knowing, I mean, knowing about the character, but not knowing details of his history. So, you know, if there are character things that are happening that, you know, Green Arrow fans are going, no, that's not the way it's supposed to happen. I don't know about them because I'm just watching it as a fan of comic book characters who's coming to this with fresh eyes. Well, I'm sure that's the case, uh, but that isn't even the reason why uh, most of what I what bothered me about Smallville bothered me. I mean, obviously there are going to be there in any medium. We've talked about this before. It's not going to be exact from what the comics are, and they are going to change up some of the characters and some of the storylines and some of the histories. Some of the stuff with Smallville, most of it was internal continuity and consistency, and right. and character choices and and the way people acted, not because they haven't acted that way in the comics or aren't that way in the comics, but because they were that way on the show and then suddenly they were a different way for no explainable reason. Those types of things are what get to me more. When I'm watching it, I watch it as its own thing. Hmm. So the same thing can be said for Arrow. And and like you, I don't know that. I mean, I know the character because we've seen Justice League and and we read Justice League comics and he guest stars sometimes and we know of him. You know, we have... We have a general knowledge of all comic book characters to some extent uh, for the most part. So knowing him and going in, and I know that DC superheroes in general, we all know, are not super violent, don't kill. And and when I watched the first episode and he was breaking guys' necks in the alleyway within you know a few minutes of the show, I almost immediately was like, this doesn't. This doesn't work for me already. Mm. Uh, well, you know, but thinking actually, about it, that was actually addressed. I, that's the whole, pretty much the the biggest part of the season two was the fact that, and in every intro of season two, he says, "I used to be a killer. I can't do that anymore. There's got to be a different way." And so, season two is all about him uh, being the hero that he wants to be without uh, having without resorting to killing people. Which is great, except he already murdered a hundred times. But um, you know, I've said before too: if I'm in a dark alley and guys in skull masks with machine guns are chasing me, trying to kill me, I'm probably going to be thinking less about how I might hurt them and more about making sure I survive. So if it comes down to it, I'd be dead myself. But if it comes down to it, either way, it's going to be it's going to be them instead of me. So in real life, we're talking about getting attacked by guys in an alley. It's it's them or you. It's got to be them. So. If we're not talking about a DC hero, we're not talking specifically about Green Arrow who doesn't kill, then then that's completely acceptable. I've seen plenty of movies with martial arts guys or Steven Seagal or Rambo or whatever it is where you want them to kill the bad guy and you get that sense of satisfaction after the fact. But for some reason with Superman and with Green Arrow and even Batman, you it, 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 it goes the other way when you when you feel like – you know, that's why the whole breaking Zod's neck was such a point of contention for people. Um, and it's something that you hope the writers don't force the hero uh, to do. But, yeah, I definitely want to watch Arrow. And, and I like hearing from you that it, that it's uh, that you enjoy. Now, do you guys get Netflix over there? Is that an no, option? For you? No. No? Oh, okay. Because I know it's on there and it's I think uh, both the seasons are on there in their entirety. But uh, I guess if, if it hasn't aired there yet, it wouldn't matter anyway. Yeah. Now, talking about things in their entirety... Uh, Young Justice, the complete first season, 
is going to be released on Blu-ray, uh, which is great for fans who are uh, Blu-ray, have Blu-ray players. I mean, I know we were both huge fans of the Young Justice animated series, so to, uh, to see this get that treatment, uh, having a complete first season on Blu-ray, is great news for, uh, for fans of the series. Yeah, and if you're not a fan or didn't see it or weren't aware of it or maybe you were 10 when it came out and you're 16 now or whatever, I'm not sure how long ago it started, I think it, it's actually older skewed than what you might think. When yeah. you hear Young Justice, when you hear Teen Titans, when you hear these types of things, you think, well, this is for kids. Yeah, I'm not going to want to watch it or whatever. Um, much older skewed than, than what you would think. Now there are battles and there are some quippy lines. There are some things that might make you think um, – it's a little silly, but but in general, drawn out storylines, mysteries, um, you know, uh, just just dramatic moments, character moments, emotional beats, just a very very well written show. I've talked about this many times, but if mm-hmm. you haven't heard me or if you haven't seen the show, this would be a perfect way for you to uh, to start up on it because it's it's really good. And I, I feel like if I had the whole set there and I was watching it every few days, a couple of episodes, I would be able to remember it. Well, because when it airs, and for some reason, we've talked about this before too, any of these animated DC shows on the Cartoon Network, they seem like they take forever to air. It's like, Between you, episodes, see, yeah. you see like four, and then there's nine weeks off. And then you see like one, and then there's three weeks off. So a lot like what happens in comics these days, where there's four month uh, hiatuses, because the, I guess the artists can't keep up with their deadlines or they have too many projects or whatever it is, S- seemed like that was going on with Young Justice, with Justice League when that was on. And you start to forget what was happening. And you go, who was that again? What was happening with them? Why is this going on? And there were some episodes where they pick up right where they left off, but it was six weeks later. And you just can't remember. There's so many things going on in your life and you're watching a lot of different shows you just can't remember everything mm. but all together in one and the way they flow into each other i think that started to happen even better in the second season but there are some things going on in the first season that that are that are going to be good to see you know in a closer together order yeah now all 26 episodes of the first season will be included in this blu-ray collection which will be released on august 12th uh, you can order it now from supermanhomepage.com slash shop. Okay, let's move into our comic book discussions. Uh, we've got a month's worth of comic books to look back on. Uh, let's start with Action Comics number 33. Now in Action Comics number 33, we saw uh, Lana Lang and Steel uh, load up weapons and equipment on one of Steel's ships, uh, trying to track down uh, where the signals from the brains of the comatose people in Smallville were going to. And uh, they had a bit of trouble uh, with some government drones in that respect. Uh, meanwhile, Superman uh, was having a real identity crisis and uh, feeling like the doomsday virus effects were getting stronger and taking over his Clark Kent personality. But uh, his cousin Supergirl, who was now a Red Lantern, isn't helping in that regard and takes him to uh, the planet Char, where uh, they're... Uh, being known as Harak is busy destroying the place and Superman steps in and um, as Super Doom uh, kind of uh, destroys, uh, well, you know, he's, he's upset at uh, what Harak is doing and, um, and trying to destroy their planet and, uh, and you know, take, goes into action there and, uh, 
And then uh, Lana and Steele back on Smallville, uh, realising that uh, it's headed towards Metropolis, the effects that are happening there, the, the coma stuff is headed to Metropolis, and uh, Lana discovers that Lois is in on the plot. Ooh. Everything gets thicker, doesn't it? Yeah, the plot thickens. It's a never-ending... Uh... Never-ending battle. That's right. Somebody said that once. I'm not sure who it might have been. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realise that... that, that uh... Everyday human scientists were able to travel to Jupiter now. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I know we're in comics, and I know that you know the Justice League and and, and people who have lots of money and, and and you know lots of technology at their behest are able to do greater things than what the rest of the populace. Would. But I never got the impression that Steel had a ship that could take him to Jupiter. Did, did you? Well, I knew he was very advanced, and as you say, we are in the comic book world, so it didn't take me out of the story when it happened, um, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised by it, but, uh, you know, sometimes you just go with you got to go for the ride, you know. Uh, they were there, and, and that's it. I mean, I think the only way they could go out and find Superman was if they could go that far into space, because yeah. it wouldn't really be, you know, he went far away. He wasn't just hanging out, you know, right within the atmosphere, but... Um, uh, Good, you know, good story. Um, I know a lot of people are saying this Doom thing is dragging on, and, and a lot of the episodes don't really have a lot happen. It's like the same thing, you know, him talking to himself in his mind and him kind of feeling too angry but then not wanting to not do anything. So it's one issue after another where uh, not a whole lot is happening with Superman, but... Um, I guess the plot did forward with Metropolis and with everybody passing out and with Lois being involved. We knew Lois was involved, but I mean, taking on her full, I guess, Brainiac form. Yeah, Lois Laniac. Yes, there you go. Nice, nice. Is that yours? <laughs> no, you no. That, uh, that came from uh, our reviewer, um, T.A. Hewitt, who coined the phrase in his review of Superman Wonder Woman number 10, which uh, we move on to, which actually continues on the uh, the Super Doom story. It uh, breaks away from the story it was telling in Superman Wonder Woman uh, initially and, and delves into the Doomed story by continuing on uh, from Action Comics number 33. Uh, and in this, we are outside the orbit of Jupiter, as you mentioned, with Steel and Lana Lang desperately trying to find Superman and deliver a message to him. I'm sorry. I didn't realize. I read them both today, and I'm reading the story as a cohesive story, so I didn't well, realize which Which is good. Which is but... it. It's hopefully that's where it should be, and that kind of takes me back to the, the triangle days of the... Uh, of the Superman, um, you know, comic books where you would be able to read one and move on to the next and be and have a cohesive story. So it's it's kind of good. It's good that it's working that way uh, in your mind. And uh, in this, uh, one woman appears and tries to sort out what's happening with Laniac, if you like, Lois Lane, <laughs> um, and but uh, is attacked by uh, for her concerns and uh, Laniac bo- uh, bombards Wonder Woman with the mental pain of her past. Uh, but Wonder Woman is able to resist. Uh, so, yeah, this is the story that happened in Superman Wonder Woman number 10. Well, what I didn't understand there is she manifests or Metallo is really there. I can't really figure it out. But then Wonder Woman says this isn't really him. This is just a manifestation of who you believed him to be. He's dead. He's gone. But then at the end of the fight, Lois flies away with Metallo's head 
in her arms. So is he there or is he not there? Is it a manifestation or is it not? I don't. Yeah, I didn't quite get that. that wasn't that very clear? Wasn't very clear, but um, the whole one, the whole lower slain thing with Brainiac hasn't really been clear. I'm not really sure what's happening there. I think we need that to kind of resolve itself to be able to figure out just how much Lois is involved, whether or not she is involved in that she knows she's involved, whether it's just been totally Brainiac uh, taking over from her, taking over her, because there's been some stuff that Lois has done in these past few weeks or months that you wonder if at the end of this, when ultimately she will come out of it, whether she'll remember some of the stuff that's happened, um, like Superman allowing Parasite to you know drain her powers, as you mentioned a couple of uh, podcasts ago, as being a, a sticking point for you in Superman's um, uh, actions there. I wonder if she. I don't. Did she know that in the story though? Did she ever know that? Did she? Was she aware that he had done that? I know we were aware, and it bothered me. Yeah. Well, she was aware of his um, secret identity and was going to be able. You know, was going to, um, you know, announce that to the world until Superman, you know, gambled on uh, Parasite doing that to her and maybe removing that knowledge from her. Uh, but at the time, so like I said, it, we need. There's a lot that we're not sure about in Lois's. Uh, involvement with Brainiac and Brainiac's involvement with Lois to know exactly what her um, knowledge status and what her power status and what her just general status will be once this kind of resolves itself. Well, I can't believe that they're going to say Lois was in on it the whole time and evil and cooperating knowingly. So it's I think it's pretty clear that she's being controlled. But you're right. In How that much I was remember? I, I was surprised in one of the scenes in, in Ten that she kind of seemed like a helpless victim at one point to wonder woman. She was kind of, uh, I think when she was in the lasso, she was saying, why am I telling this to you? And she had, she had gone through this whole thing about how uh, she feels like she's uh, outside her own body, watching things happen and, and she's being controlled uh, from without. And, uh, and, and, and wonder woman tells her what you're telling me because this, this lasso compels you to tell the truth. But I didn't, I never got that impression from Lois and and you're right that's another thing that's like it's a very kind of haphazard and confusing as to what her motivations are as lois or is she just this whole time just been a brainiac controlled drone. Uh, mindless drone that mm. that is a, completely a victim and if that's the case then when does she become coherent enough to be able to understand that she's a victim and say that to wonder woman and why is it only because of the lasso or, or is she is she knowledgeable that she's been involved the whole time without any power to do anything about it from the beginning? Hmm. It'd be interesting to see just how it does play out because uh, it uh, leaves there are a lot of questions there uh, from a Lois Lane standpoint. Um, and Batman Superman number 12 also uh, is uh, is next in, in line. Uh Batman Superman, it had a chapter there that jumped into the doomed story, but uh, number 12 seems to have gone back to, you know, the whole Earth 2 adventure that they're having there uh, between Superman and Wonder Woman and working out, you know, just what's going on in their lives and, and in their alternate lives. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really weird when you were saying that it's, it's, it's nice to know that when I read the stories, they're cohesive. 
they were today because I read two in a row that were continued, but who knows when we're going to get the next part. And by the time I get to it, I have to reread the synopsis on the Superman homepage in order to remember what happened in the last episode uh, because it doesn't seem like these ones take as long. You know, we're going to get the Superman Unchained in a few minutes, and that's that just an unbelievable amount of time. But um, with so many things going on and so many different books, you would think they would have a plan that action, Superman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Superman, Batman, every month for three months are going to be the Dune story. But then it doesn't seem like they do. It seems like one month they decide this one's going to be included, and then the next month you figure that the next part's going to be included in something that it was included in the month before, and then it's not, and you go, what is this story? Where is the next part of this Doomsday? And I've had people email me, can you tell me the order of the Doomed Sega? Because I don't know where it starts. I don't know where it begins. I don't know what book it's in. I don't know where we're at. I don't know what chapter we're on. And it's very hard to follow. Yeah, and they've done the the strange thing in the Superman Doom story in having um, new chapters, if you like, with a new title, so that you've got, um, I mean, just looking back at uh, Action Comics uh, number 33, it had the story title of, um, I'm just trying to open it up here, Action 33, Action 33, had the story title of Superman Doomed, Super Doom Chapter 1 Unbound, uh, where obviously it's in the middle of the story of this of the Superman, you know, where the previous uh, chapters of the Doomed story were known as um, Superman, State, Superman Doomed Enemy of the State, Chapter 1. Uh, so in that regard, it's been a little bit confusing because you're picking up a book, it says Chapter 1, but it's actually like the fifth chapter, if you like, or right. the, the fifth part in the overarching story. So in that way, I think they've kind of done themselves a little bit of a disservice and the fans a little bit of a disservice in renaming the, the chapters as they go along because you're not able then to, to know, well, well, was the enemy of the state four chapters? How many chapters was that? How many, where, does, where does this new chapter start? You know, what, after what chapter does it begin? And so it's a little bit confusing in that way if you're trying to pick up the books and, and not necessarily knowing where they fit in or how they fit in. So, um, yeah, it can get a little bit confusing. And as you say, there are so many stories going on. We've got Earth 2, we've got Injustice, we've got Infinite Crisis, and there's all different these all different stories that are not connected and they're all separate. And you can be reading one and not know what's going on in the other if you don't want to read the others. But when you are reading them all, you start to lose track of what is happening where and where is where is this going on and and then if it, you know, yes, Batman, Superman, that does go into the Doom story in one issue, but then goes back to its other story in another issue, it gets all a little bit confusing, a little bit lost. And then it's confusing for the other story. If you were reading the other story in Batman, Superman, and let's say you're only picking up Batman and Superman, then you get to Batman, Superman 11, and you go, what the hell is this? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not involved in this. I wanted to see what happened with Earth 2. Yeah. And then you got to wait another month. And I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to get crossovers so that you get into the other books and then you go, I want to read this too now. Or at the very least, they want to sell those books that month to the people who are buying the Doom story. But yeah, I think it's what's happening with Batman Superman. Ultimately, they want people it's to get World's hurtful. Finest books. Yeah, exactly. And, and the other thing is with the Batman Superman and the World's Finest, the art is so different that I don't even feel like I'm reading the same story. Like it takes me a page or two to to get back into the story because 
the the world's finest books are I don't I don't want to call them cartoony, but they're very comic booky. Right. And then the Batman Superman books are very uh, stylistically gothic and realistic looking in a way. So they look very different. And some of the costumes even look very different. So you're going from one moment to another in the next book because it's not like days have passed or they've changed clothes. And they look just so different that it's that it takes you a few minutes to even realize that they're the, and I know that every book has different artists, but in this case, the Batman Superman art is so different from anything else that, that is in the, in the Superman family that it's very jarring when you get to that and you see that that's what it is. And a lot of times when they have these events where many books are going to be included for many chapters, they'll have a page at the end of books saying, follow all these books and this is the order that they'll be in. I had to search online to find the next chat. I had to figure out what I needed to get to find things in order. If you're pulling them all and you wait six months until all these stories are done, which is, and I've said this before, what I would prefer to do if I didn't do this show every month, I would wait until all the storylines were done and I would read them cohesively in order. So I would only read Doomed. And then when that was done, I would start the next storyline and I would only read the, the, the Earth 2 thing. And when I was done, I would go to the next thing. Well, you're almost doing that with Superman Unchained. You have to wait months for, for, for one chapter to the next. Um, and Superman Unchained number seven came out uh, in the beginning of July. Uh, God knows when number eight will come out because uh, I was doing the... Uh, actually, I think it comes out uh, later or maybe it's next month. Uh, but it's just been ridiculous how long we've had to wait for Superman Unchained to to you know go from one chapter to the next. Um, I, look, I'm I've, you've got to lay the blame at Jim Lee's feet, surely. Um, you know, just with everything he's got going on. I mean, it's, maybe it's not his fault. You know, he's just got he, you know he's a co-publisher at DC Comics. He's got a lot going on, but don't undertake something if you can't deliver. Yeah, I, I, and maybe it's beating a dead horse at this point yeah. because we have we have brought it up, and I love Jim Lee art. And I think yeah, he clearly too. loves his job, and I think he clearly loves the characters. Uh, maybe Batman a little bit more than Superman, but <laughs> um, I, I agree with you, and and I've agreed with you previously. Uh, I, I thought the Superman Unchained story uh, was pretty good. I loved um, the Batman uh, not winning, <laughs> and that sounds so petty, but I, you know, in this story we finally see the continuation of and i have no memory of how they got to this point but superman being in the fortress with lois and and it took me a while to even realize why the army outside was such a threat she was like you have no shot there's no way you're going to win and i'm going what why they got guns they're an army who cares uh and then i then she said with the the weapons that they're driving are specifically designed to stop you and i go oh they are oh okay (laughs) i didn't know that but okay i didn't realize as a as a species we had the ability to design weapons that were specifically uh catered to stopping superman if we were uh the the henry lennox carrie lennox character in in man of steel should be able to say you knock down our thing next time you do something like that we're gonna blow you out of the sky how do you like that um but uh, so it took me a little while, and part of that is the amount of time, but part of that is also the amount of books I'm reading. And since this book has no place in any continuity, um, it's very hard to remember what rules apply in this book 
whereas what rules apply in the other book. So in this book, General Lane and Superman are enemies, and they have the ability to build weapons that are specifically catered to stopping Superman. So I'm forced to say then, if that's the case, why has he gotten this far? General Lane has hated him from the beginning. Why isn't he just done already? Okay, so they let it get to this point. Now they're fighting in the Arctic, and Superman is not giving up, and Lois is under this thing, and she has the Moonstone, so it's so she's able to stop the army, which kind of sucks because that means Superman and needed Superman needed somebody to save him. But at least I get my saving grace personally, and that is we're switching back and forth to Batman, and Batman is having a hard time with this other guy. And I go, I go, well, Wraith was able to go toe-to-toe with Superman, which apparently we're going to be treated to in Batman v. Superman, even though I have no idea how it's going to happen after we saw him take down an entire army of Kryptonians. Nevertheless, I digress. In this particular story, Wraith and Superman are pretty much even, but Wraith's supposed to be a little more powerful, or at least that's what he says. And somehow, he's unable to kill Batman in this situation. So I go, if Batman wins this fight, this is going to nullify the entire Superman Unchained from the beginning because Batman is Batman and he shouldn't be able to just outdo every hero or even every hero. Even if they're equal footing in terms of the Justice League and their power, what what they can do and and how they lead or whatever it is, we still know that that Batman's power levels shouldn't be able to put him in a physical battle with a creature that Superman himself was barely able to go toe-to-toe with. So when he didn't win, and when Wonder Woman came in and had to try to help him, and even she didn't win, and then at the end... Batman says, you see that logo? That's a sign of someone about to kick your ass. I loved it. I loved it. And and it was finally me going, thank God. The, the, you know, J- Jim Lee someone is not necessarily saying, no, 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 no. I want Batman to be the hero as what seems to be his penchant and DC in general. But we at least get to see Superman be the hero in his own book and and uh uh, usually when batman comes into the superman books you go why is batman here why do we have to have batman thrown in our face coming coming up with the ideas or or giving superman what he needs to win or talking to superman about inspiration when superman's supposed to be the one that's the inspiration and when superman has been around just as long and a little bit longer than batman and has been surviving just fine why does he always have to show up and it's always like, oh, they need to just push in our face how smart he is every single time. But in this case, I still think he survived the battle far too long. And I still think it's a little far-fetched when a hundred Batmobiles come out and and Batman's invisible and he's running them into the guy and planes and everything else in this small space in the cave. Um, but at least I, I understand they wanted to show. See, Batman's pretty resourceful. He can survive for a while until someone gets there to help him out. And I'm sure Batman fans, if they were reading this, would say, oh, why does Superman always have to save Batman? So it's probably the same on both sides. But I was personally happy with the ending to that chapter. Yeah, and well done to Scott Snyder, who uh, wrote the the, the story, uh, ending on a cliffhanger with Superman stating, all right, Wraith, let's step outside, shall we? So, yes, uh, very nice. We wait for chapter eight uh, when it finally. And six or seven arrives. months from now, when eight <laughs> yeah. comes out, we'll uh, we'll enjoy the next part of that. Now uh, we finally we finish off with our comic book talk with uh, Superman number thirty three, and uh, in this one we see a very interesting story of Clark approaching Perry uh, about uh, some information about the Ulysses project 
and getting some uh, details on a, an old story that uh, Perry uh, cut his teeth on uh, as a, a reporter. And uh, I quite enjoyed this story just for the, the Clark Perry um, you know, parts of it. Yeah, I will say that, and I said this when I was kind of reviewing the little preview that they gave to us about the whole new exciting Superman team that was coming up. And and the, the biggest part I dwelled on was that the art was horrendous in those preview panels. And unfortunately, after reading the books, I cannot change my stance on the art. I did not see one redeeming page. I didn't see one redeeming action shot. I didn't see one person who actually looked like a person. Um, I saw an ape that looked like an ape, but <laughs> I don't want to read about apes in Superman stories. So that didn't do anything for me. But the writing is pretty good. Um, the first chapter, 32, I didn't think there was a lot of writing. There was a, there was a, that preview was really all of the character work that there was. The rest of it was a lot of visual stuff, which Mm. I understand comics are a visual medium. So it was like every panel was this guy punching. The other panel was the next guy punching. Then the third panel was the two guys punching the robot at the same time. So it was a very, very, um, basic and very general i I kind of felt like it was very child friendly which a lot of people have been saying superman books need to get back to so maybe that's great for that for me it was a little too simple it was a little too basic it was a little too hey look at this superstar artist we got coming on board to be the new superman guy and then i saw drawings that while i can't do them he's a professional artist and they look very very amateurish sloppy and not good story-wise um in the second part i found myself getting a little choked up when superman found him his family mm, that was nice to reunite uh the ulysses with his with his parents uh makes for an interesting uh continuation to see how that plays out uh, you know what the real story is because he thought he was on an alternate earth you know, he didn't realize that earth had still survived um, it, it's it's an intriguing story there, and uh, and a lot of uh, heart and emotion into it as well. So uh, I'm quite enjoying the storyline. I can take or leave the artwork, as you say. It's it's not setting the world on fire for someone who was supposed to be a big draw card of oh wow we've you know we've got uh, this guy over from Marvel. He's you know he's he's coming on to Superman. You know how good is this? Um, it really hasn't set the world on fire as far as I'm concerned. And obviously, now, I've seen some covers. Of his Marvel stuff that, you know, I, I used him in a great Scott a few weeks ago mm. that look really good, but maybe that's just a cover that he spent a lot of time on and then the interiors aren't that great. In this case, I didn't really – the second cover I thought was really, really attractive in the dark there and it happens in the story, which I love, which rarely happens. Mm. Uh, the first cover, which was the one they were showing everybody to get everybody excited, is not – it just doesn't do much for no. me. I like the composition. Um, the idea of him being in multiple stages of turning into Superman, but I don't like how he looks at all. Um, But the second is very, very kind of moody and evocative of, 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 of what might be going on in the story. And then we actually see that very panel when he's searching the lab underneath. And you're right, the Perry White stuff, uh, the character stuff, a lot of times, and people complain about this, the secondary characters, the supporting characters in the Superman story get neglected for long periods of time. And I feel like since the launch of the New 52, a lot of those characters have been lost and a lot of that has been missing. There's been a lot of Cat Grant stuff and there's been a lot of Clark Katopoulos or whatever it is. Um, But So it's nice to see 
Perry White in kind of that fatherly position, especially in a continuity where Clark doesn't have his parents. It, it's nice mm. to see somebody that kind of has some of those attributes. And I've always liked that Perry dynamic where he's kind of like the father. And when did Jimmy Olsen become Peter Parker where he's yeah. on Come like on, Jimmy the, yeah, and maybe I'll pay you for it, you know. Um, and, you know, he even used the words that he was, uh, um, I forget, I forget the actual words, but that he was a, he was a photo for hire. In other words, he He's brings freelance. you a photo freelance and you pay him for it. You know, I, I never really, I don't remember a time when Jimmy was used that way. I kind of remember him as always being employed at the planet. Well, I guess now that he's a multimillionaire, Jimmy's just doing, being, doing what he's doing because he loves being around the Daily Planet. Eh, maybe that's true. Okay. Very well. We move on from comic books. Uh, did you happen to catch the video trailer for the video game Lego Batman 3 Beyond Gotham? I did indeed. Um, <laughs> it's a goofy series, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Uh, I mean, all the characters, the heroes, that, yeah. except, except for Batman, all the characters kind of act kind of goofy. Batman's taken very seriously. And he's very like not impressed by the goofiness of all the others. But uh, um, I, 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 it was funny, and it is made to be funny. It's unfortunate that Superman kind of has to be the, the funny, the humor. Right. Uh, but I guess the idea is he's just so powerful that he just doesn't care about it. Like it just doesn't. Nothing really doesn't makes him get serious because what, what, what's bothersome if you're Superman? Like right. you know. Uh, but yeah, we're late because the waiter didn't give us the check. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Now, the next installment of this blockbuster series is Lego Batman 3 Beyond Gotham, in which the Crusader joins forces with the superheroes of the DC Comics universe and blasts, blasts off to outer space to stop the evil Brainiac from destroying Earth. So uh, we look forward to the game. It comes out later this year, and uh, it will be out for all the major um gaming consoles uh playstations xboxes wii's all those kinds of things even for the windows pc so uh you can pre-order the uh the game for your particular gaming console from our online store now it comes out in the fall uh, the u.s fall uh, of 2014 excellent how exciting and speaking of computer games and computer issues this is the weirdest thing that, that you posted on the site this past <laughs> month, that Superman fans are the most susceptible to computer viruses. Yeah, it was a story written by McAfee, who obviously are uh, a big uh, a company within the uh, the virus industry, you know, setting up uh, uh, virus checkers and spyware stuff that, you know, you can protect yourself with on your computers. Uh, they released a list of the top 10 most toxic toxic superheroes, which revealed that uh, fans searching for Superman content on the internet have a greater chance of reaching a bad link or coming across malicious software designed to steal passwords and personal information or visiting a website that has tested positive for online threats such as spyware, adware, malware, and that kind of stuff. And which led me to the comical phrase or, or, or a notion that people shouldn't go around searching for Superman stuff on the internet. They should just come straight to our website. Well, I don't think there's anything comical about that. That's just a true <laughs> statement, Steve. Um, why should they go anywhere else when uh, clearly the most love and the most care uh, for the character is here? Um, sometimes we don't necessarily 
have every breaking story immediately, but we always get it. So, uh, you know, you guys, uh, people who, uh, people who report them and you who post them and, and, uh, you know, while you're on vacation, for instance, Neil and a lot of other guys stepped up and, and, you know, everything gets out there and you don't have to worry about running around and trying to find it on other sites because, uh, it's always going to be here. So, yeah. So, uh, save yourself any worries about getting, uh, any viruses and stuff like that looking around. Cause obviously, uh, you've got a 16.5% uh, chance of landing on a website that has tested positive for online threats uh, by searching for Superman or Superman uh, Online or Superman Free App or all those kinds of things. Um, anything you want, you'll find it here and uh, we'll always uh, check all those things for, uh, you know, we don't uh, send you anything or put you on anything that's going to be detrimental to your computer. So, uh, uh, but it was an interesting story and uh, obviously quite a bit of uh, interest across the internet uh, on, for, from, from comic book fans. Now, in the article, did they mention why that is or why they think that it, what makes it easier or what makes Superman a, a, a threat, uh, like what makes them want to latch on to Superman in general? Um, no, it didn't. just says, uh, obviously, the popularity of the character, I'm guessing. Cryber says cyber criminals know that search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing can also be used for criminal means. Therefore, they use popular search terms to draw victims in like celebrity gossip, holidays, holidays viral hits, and you guessed it, superheroes. <laughs> so I'm guessing with all the hype around Man of Steel uh, and the upcoming movie that uh, the, the, you know, Superman was one of those um, uh, you know, uh, phrases that people were using, and therefore the, uh, the criminal element out there was using that... Uh, that popularity to uh, try to, you know, capture and and uh, contaminate people's computers uh, using those phrases. That's it. No more Superman news forever <laughs> for the rest of all time. All right, let's move into our big question segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's question was, what is your position regarding spoilers for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice? And uh, Hector wrote in that, I like it. It gets me more and more excited for when the movie comes out. Very succinct, very short, but sweet. Uh, thank brief. you, Hector. Very brief, but we like that. Um, next up, we have Ricky Lee James, who wrote in saying, I say the fewer spoilers, the better. I think we have forgotten how to wait patiently. So many times the films lose their punch because the best scenes are given away in trailers. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is a good example of this. It had to be the worst kept secret in the film industry when Gwen dies and they put the very final scene of the movie into the trailer. What a letdown when you actually saw the film. I feel like good things will come to us if we wait. Gwen dies in the... Oh, Mike. Oh, Rick. Spoiler alert. Oh, spoiler alert. Come on. Come on. You're not even going to tell us when we're talking about spoilers, Rick? Uh, seriously, I agree. I, I mean, I don't think the trailers gave that away. I think the trailers led people to speculate that that's what was coming because they didn't actually show that she was necessarily dead. They showed the possible fall that might lead to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I personally would rather them not release so much and would rather people not seek out so much, but that's um, never yeah. going to happen. No. So you just have to try to stay Especially away from that position. Yes. David Landon wrote in, spoilers are like delicious candy. They're unhealthy, but I can't resist them. I think the policy you've been operating under thus far is the best one. The spoilers are there, but they're hidden. That way, people like me who can't resist spoilers will be able to see them, but those to whom spoilers are worse than Polly Shore's career will be able to avoid them. Very good. I'm, I have to admit, I don't know who Paulie Shore is. 
Uh, well, anytime you can get a dig in at Pauly Shore is, uh, is a good time. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Uh, Donovan Hunter wrote in saying, I don't want to see any spoilers for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. I don't want to see anything till I see a trailer. I think we've seen enough for a movie that comes out in two years. Just give me a teaser. Less is more. Keep up the great work, Stephen Scotty. Thank you. Well, I think a lot of what happens too is people get their hype. They get so hyped up because they see stuff that makes them feel like the movie is going to be one thing. And then a lot of times they feel like the movie didn't live up to what they were given in all of the trailers, commercials, ads, mm. and everything else. And they go, well, this isn't the movie that I was sold in, in the trailers. So a lot of times it hurts you more than it helps you. I think in the case of Man of Steel, we clearly, I mean, it clearly sold a lot of tickets and was a blockbuster. Mm. So the marketing worked to a certain extent, but I think it also spoiled people the wrong way as well because they were excited about one thing that they didn't feel like they got. And the thing about Pauly Shore is <laughs> his career, he's had a lot of movies. He's a comedian, American comedian. I don't even know. Maybe he's Canadian, but he's done a lot of movies in America. And uh, they're goofy movies. It's not very highbrow comedy. Mm-hmm. But but he has been with so many Playboy models. <laughs> he's like with a different one. And he doesn't do movies anymore. And I didn't think he was particularly rich or successful. But whatever, he's on Howard Stern a lot. He talks he, I mean, the guy with women, you would want to be, everybody would want to be Pauly Shore because <laughs> and he, somehow he gets them all. I don't know how he does it. Mm, back to the questions. Yeah, Paul back. Mann wrote, spoilers? Well, the very meaning of the word is to spoil something. And because of that, I avoided everything to do with Superman Returns and Man of Steel in the run-up to their respective release dates. But I've decided to take the opposite approach for Batman versus Superman and will devour any information and spoilers possible. And I think it will only add to my excitement for the film. I love your podcast guys. Thanks for doing it each month. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Thanks Paul. An interesting, uh, uh, idea there of reversing his uh, decision on spoilers. I'll be uh, interested to see whether or not he enjoys Batman v Superman more because of it or less because of his, his new stance. So we'll wait and see. Uh, and Argent L wrote in saying, Warning, the following answers gives away exactly how I feel about spoilers. If you do not want to be spoiled on this subject, please exert all the F- all the self-control that you can muster and skip ahead. <laughs> Steve, Scotty, my apologies as you both will be spoiled on this subject. This week you posted a story on the possibility that Kevin Smith had been hired to write a fake script and all the leaked information is just part of a fabulous publicity stunt. When it comes to spoilers for the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice movie, I want to know as many details as possible to make the two-year wait bearable. Then on the night before the premiere, I would like to hire Leonard Nimoy to give me a Vulcan neck pinch so that I'll forget everything and actually enjoy the movie. Cheers. Uh, very nice. Thank you, Argent. <laughs> it does a great job I think that's it. discriminatory toward the other guy who played Spock, uh, Zachary Quinto. Yes. Quinto. Quinto. Uh, what about you hire him to give you a bubble neck pinch so you'll forget <laughs> everything? Uh, Very good. Well, that's all right. Well, we didn't, we didn't have a ton of responses this month, um, which I'm kind of surprised because it seems like a pretty touchy subject. Mm. Um, so a lot of people get mad over spoilers and a lot of people want to see them. So, uh, obviously you could still let Steve know if you want him to, uh, Spoil or not, uh, going forward, you just won't be able to read your answer. Because the new big question is something completely different. Uh, what are your thoughts on the tweaked Superman costume and the Wonder Woman costume for Batman v Superman? Yeah, we saw both images. We've discussed them here at length in this episode of the Radio KL podcast. So now's your chance to let us know your thoughts 
on the tweaked Superman costume and the new Wonder Woman costume that we are seeing for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Get involved in the new Big Question segment of the show by clicking on the Big Question button found at the Radio KAL webpage and send your entry in. Each person who sends their entry in will have their uh, uh, response read out here on Radio KAL. You can also send in an audio answer if you want to record yourself uh, saying your response, and we will play that here. We haven't had one of those for a while, so uh, maybe we'll get one next month. Give our voices a rest. <laughs> if you send in one of those, let's right. move on to the Superman comedy sketch, Steve. I'm laughing at you, you hear? Laughing! Yes, this uh, time around we have a Saturday Night Live uh, sketch. Uh, it's obviously one that was on TV, but here with being an audio uh, podcast, uh, you won't be able to see the visuals, but I think it still translates well into an audio comedy sketch. It does star Margot Kidder as Lois Lane, uh, which is uh, an, uh, very interesting to see her participation in what is a superhero party at uh, Lois Lane's house so check this out honey honey do you want to mix the punch i don't know what it is four f parts bought together one mix or uh, what is it it's four parts to one can you do it sweetheart i'm putting the nachos in the oven okay you know i sure hope the people mix better than they did at my birthday party i mean your friends clumped on one side and all of my friends were on the other side who can that be? The 10 minutes early. I'll get it. <laughs> hey, if it isn't the fastest man alive in class, how you doing? How are you? Hi, Beverly. Hi. Uh, Superman, Lois, my friend Beverly. Yeah, hi. Oh, look at your ring. What a beautiful diamond. Oh, thanks. Hubby here made it out of a bag of easy light charcoal briquettes for me. He's a real handyman around the house, huh? Uh -huh. They, they probably won't need one of these. Oh, a corkscrew. Thank you. Uh, would you let me open it first? I mean, there are some of us who don't have x-ray vision, and we'd like to be surprised. I'm sorry. Oh, a corkscrew. A corkscrew. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. You know, it's the one thing I could really use around the house. You know, lately I've been sucking the cork out, and I end up drinking the whole bottle. <laughs> thank you. You really shouldn't have. That's okay. Flash? Beverly, want some punch? punch? Oh, great. Well, thanks. I just had them there. Uh, well, you, well, you asked me. Uh, well, you blinked your eye. Well, you yeah. like some more? <laughs> I just had some there when you just asked me the second time. <laughs> Honey, you better slow down. Oh, you know me. Here we go there. Thank you. <laughs> thanks a lot. Oh, great. That oh, looks uh, great. Beautiful apartment. Lana you. Lang is here, Lois. I'll get it, honey. You and that crazy x-ray vision. <laughs> Hi, Lana. Hi, Lois. How's the luckiest girl in the world? Oh, just fine. Why don't you join the party and try and have some fun? Hi, Lana. Have you met my friends, The Flash and, and Beverly? Beverly, yes. <laughs> nice to meet you. you. Nice to meet you. Oh, by the way, Superman, I just read that profile of you by, by Clark Kent for the Daily Planet. Boy, does Clark Kent love you. <laughs> Say, Flash, I got a new ping pong table in the rec room. What do you say I take you on? Okay, but no betting. You know what happens when we bet. <laughs> Let's do it. See you later, Beth. Bye. Well, Lois, married life seems to be agreeing with you. 
Well, yes, but, uh, you know, living with a superhero does have its problems, Lana. <laughs> I'll say my biggest problem with the Flash is that I just cannot get him to relax, and he has trouble sleeping. Well, there's still a lot I don't know about Superman. I mean, he still won't tell me his secret identity. Well, if he won't tell you his secret identity, maybe there are some other things that he's not telling you. <laughs> oh, wait, I'll get it. Hang on, Grace. How was the parade? Were you the Grand Marshal again? No, it's Greenlander's turn this year. We rotate. One way oh, yeah. <laughs> Cookie, Cookie Hulk, what happened to you? What do you think happened? I swear, first thing Monday morning, twin beds. Oh. <laughs> oh, we got a present for you. What? Kryptonite! <laughs> Just kidding. It's, uh, it's almond bark. It's almond bark? Yeah, almond Oh, thank you very much. Hey, where's that invincible husband of yours anyway, huh? Oh, let go, let go, let go. <laughs> hey, Flash, oh, what are you two jokers doing around here? <laughs> How are the cookies? Eating them all up yet? You know, I'm surprised Clark Kent isn't here. Out he comes, I invited him. <laughs> you know, it's funny. What? About Clark. What? Have you ever noticed how you never see Clark and the Flash together at the same time? Hmm. I got it, Lawson. Oh. Oh, 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 Sue Storm, the invisible girl. <laughs> Come on, right in. <laughs> Hey, Spider-Man, all right. Spider-Woman, how are you? Hey. Ah, the thing! <laughs> all right, come on in, join the party. Ah, uh, excuse me, I'm not sure if I remember your name. Uh, I'm really uh, bad with names, you know. You don't remember me? We met several times. Uh, it's Ant-Man, A-N-T-M-A-N. Oh, right, right. Ah, uh, Ant-Man. Oh, what are, you, what are your superpowers again? You, you, you talk to the ants, is that it? Well, partly, but mainly I shrink myself down to the size of an ant while retaining my full human strength. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's really impressive. <laughs> size of an ant with human strength. You must be able to clean house on those other ants. <laughs> hey, hey, Hulk, hey. Ch check this guy out. Ooh. <laughs> Got the strength of a human. Ant-Man, huh? Where are your ants? <laughs> yes. They're, they're at home, uh, in the ant farm. <laughs> oh, best stay out of this guy's way. Oh, oh every <laughs> molecule's quivering now. Oh. I don't see what's so funny. Is there something wrong with being Ant-Man? I mean, what's the joke? So oh, I don't see what's so funny. Oh, great, great Ant-Man. Oh, excuse me. Don't worry about it, oh. We're just ribbing you. Hey, Lois, uh, where's the cans? Around here? Over there, huh? Wait, um. Sorry! I'm sorry! Sorry I didn't see you sitting there in the pot there. If the invisible girl is gonna go to the bathroom, she should lock the door. I wonder where Clark Kent is. 
Oh, don't worry about Clark. I have a feeling he'll show up sometime tonight. Well, uh, maybe I could call him and ask him to bring some ice. We're sort of running low on ice. More ice? Yeah. Excuse me for a minute, my love. I'll be right back. Okay. Say, Cookie, the Hulk uh, looks like he lost some weight. Yeah, but he's still uh, way out of shape. I gotta get him to go on a diet this summer. Oh, boy, did you see the love handles on the flash? And then he stopped smoking again, and then he started smoking again, and now he smokes six packs a day. Well, they're all letting themselves go. And I mean, you know, who can blame them? I mean, since the Justice League of America wiped out all the supervillains, these guys have nothing to do. Tell me about it. Have you seen the Green Lantern? It's unbelievable. He looks like Orson Welles. Oh, hi, Lois. Hi, Clark. God, I didn't know if you were going to make it. I'm so glad you came. Well, I'm afraid I can't stay too long, Lois. I got to get back to the office. By the way, is Superman here? No, he flew out for some ice. Oh. So, Lois, I don't get to see you too much more now that you're married. No. Hey. Must be great being married to the Man of Steel, huh? <laughs> I guess he must be a terrific oh. husband, huh? Clark, can I confide in you? Well, of course you can, Lois. Well, I, I feel like I can talk to you, Clark, because I've known you for a long time, and from your article, you seem to have such a high opinion of Superman, but... Uh-huh. Clark, it's about Superman. I mean, I can't tell you how incredibly dull he is. I mean, he's so kind-hearted and all that, but he's so boring. Sometimes I think I'm going to lose my mind. Well, I... I... I'm surprised to hear that, Lois. <laughs> well, it's not his fault. He's from Krypton. I mean, he's just so straight, though. You know, when we got married, he was a virgin. So what's so bad about that, both of you being virgins? Oh, come on, Clark. I went out with a Hulk for six months. <laughs> you, you and the Hulk, huh? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> ah, does uh, Superman know this? Well... I don't know. It never really came up. I, I don't think it bothered him. Much. Yeah, I'm sure it wouldn't matter to a guy like Superman. So, uh, does, it, does anyone else know about you and the Hulk? Well, sure. I have the Flash and Spider-Man and uh, the Thing and... Uh, thing? I told Perry White, oh, yeah, Perry. and uh, Clark... And I told... Clark? What's the matter? Uh, Jimmy Olsen, I told Yeah, uh, I got a cab waiting outside. Uh, I gotta go. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry I laid this on you. I just had to get it off. Oh, no, I, I, I love to listen. I, thank you. Appreciate it. Tell okay. Superman I stopped by. Yeah, I'll tell him. Good night. <laughs> you can't get art like that. I mean, you, you have to either rent it or buy it out. Hey, Hulk. Hulk, come on. You got a lot of people standing out here in line. <laughs> come on. All right, all right. Take it easy. Whoa, whoa. Come on. Whoa. Come on. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a play. It's it's Clark Kent. Of course. Clark Kent is Superman. That's it. Okay, out. Get out. Everybody out. All right. Get out of here. You knew all along, didn't you, Flip? Get out of here. Buddy, Everybody out of here. There you have it. Uh, funny stuff. A lot of uh, famous people in there. I wonder if 
you can recognise who they were just from their voices. But uh, uh, the Saturday Night Live crew uh, back in the, I think it was the 80s, this would have been from um, a, a very interesting and funny comedy sketch there. I've seen that many times and uh, it's very funny. You know, uh, Margot Kidder was never my favourite Lois, but mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's nice to see her probably uh, hosting because of Superman, I would think, uh, like Superman 2 or something like that. Um, uh, I guess she would be hosting because I don't think she'd be a, like a special guest on the show if she wasn't the host. And mm. I don't know if she was any, in anything big enough to host other than Superman. So I would think she was probably on for that. But it's it's very funny kind of seeing her be Lois, but in a, in a more uh, comical way. comedic comedic yeah. way. So so that's nice. Very cool. And uh, it's time to move on to the super secret soundbite. Last month's sound came from the animated movie Superman Batman Apocalypse. How many people did uh, we get uh, this week, this month? Well, guessing it right, this month were nine people, and they were Mario Benice, Fred Walsh, Alan D. Bozzle, Jeremy Crawford, Rick Ruiz, Christopher Miron, Donovan Hunter, Patrick O'Neill, and the Evil X. Ooh, the evil X. Yeah. I don't recognize that one. Yeah, congratulations to those nine people for guessing it correctly. Uh, let's re-listen to that sound so they can uh, relive uh, that moment when they recognized that this was from Superman Batman Apocalypse. To be honest, I'm not sure I've earned the right to wear this uniform, but I will. Well, there you have it. I'm guessing those uh, people who listened to the show and didn't get it right are probably kicking themselves now, going, oh, yeah, now I recognize it. Probably. I mean, uh, that was a movie about Superman, so it's all fair game. <laughs> now, uh, let's see if those people and more people can guess where in the world of Superman this new sound comes from. A childhood is a terrible thing to lose, Miss Lane, but I'm getting mine back. Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, use the Super Secret Soundbite entry form found at our website to send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will there will have their name read out here on Radio KAL. Very exciting. I'd like to posit where I think it came from, but I don't want to spoil it for you. So instead, spoiler, we'll move spoiler, on to the spoiler. Superman song. Yeah, our Superman song for this month is... Funnily enough, titled Superman, and it is by Heartburst, who uh, released this as part of their 2013 album titled Autopilot, so not that long ago. Uh, you can check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash heartburstTheBand, and here is their song Superman.
song and that is our show now remember if there is a um, a particular topic you think we need to be discussing here and maybe there is a song that you would like to request or a comedy sketch we are getting pretty uh, thin on those if you want to if you have a comedy sketch you think we should be playing on here or a big question you think we should be asking the fans all those kinds of suggestions about any part of our show can be sent to us using the KAL feedback form found at our website, or if you prefer, you can send us an email. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com, or you can email Scotty. His email address is scotty at supermanhomepage.com, and we will endeavor to use those suggestions in a future show. But that's our show for today. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve, and remember, everybody, with my lasso of truth, I can get you to tell me how you really feel. You've been listening to Radio KL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com.